Alright, welcome to episode 5 of the Thorny Turtle Ranch podcast. The conclusion of the story, we're going to get right into it, right where we left off on episode 4. We're going to jump in here and let Steve take over and find out how this story ends. Thanks for listening, guys. So... You know, I ended up winning that case against Michael Bloxham and Gary Phillips, the federal agents. Right. Uh, Gary Phillips has been a was a career federal agent. <clears throat> excuse me. And Michael Bloxham was an Alabama Department of Conservation state officer that had a deputy. Uh, he was deputized as a federal agent, which is actually kind of common when they get together on cases that involve multiple states. You know. I was a registered cooperating private individual since 94. So from between 94 and 2005, I mean, I had a chance to work on some cases. I had actually helped him on probably the biggest case they ever had. And the guy ended up going to prison for 48 months. Wow. So, but I, I was facing 21 years. <laughs> yeah. But the biggest case they ever had before me was a guy that went to prison for 48 months. So now right. they got me and they're about to send me to jail for 21 years. So, uh, but you know, so I had this civil rights lawsuit on these agents and in my motion to suppress, it was all about them stealing these turtles. So the federal judge, I told you, I told you judge Duffy was absolutely corrupt and nasty and terrible and horrible. Right. And he's, he's not on the bench anymore. Yeah. And we have, and, yeah, we would like to know why he's not. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I, it has to be because he was nasty, corrupt and terrible and off his rocker and, and all sorts of bad things. Yeah. And I, I hope he calls me out on that. I hope he sues me for defamation or something and we, we can expose him. But, uh, yeah. but, but that's, that's just uh, judge Duffy. Now, William Thrash on the other hand was a very good judge, at least as far as I could see and tell in my case now, uh, they might be personal friends. I don't know. But Judge Thomas, uh, maybe I said William Thrash, Thomas Thrash, Judge Thomas Thrash uh, had my case against the federal, federal officers. Now, he had ruled that the only issue that we were going to go to trial on was the issue of them conducting a pre-warrant search, which was really the robbery, wh- whether they came to my house and seized or stole or robbed me or whatever. That was the only issue that was going to go to trial. Right. And there's motions in limine. Uh, that's a term that basically means there's certain, certain things that the judge rules on that one side or the other is not going to discuss. So of course they had motions in limine that, that I couldn't discuss being arrested or I couldn't discuss being thrown in jail. I couldn't discuss the fact that they killed 365 of my 524 turtles because I sued them and they they were required to hold on to them, but their real plan was to sell them. So once I sued them, they had to keep them alive, but they couldn't keep them alive because that was never the plan. So the the prosecuting uh, attorneys, which would, they were really the defendants, the U.S. Attorney's Office was the defendants against these agents. And they put in these motions in limine that I couldn't reveal all that stuff to the jury. So that case was four days as well in Judge Thrash's chambers, well, his courtroom. And we we had a jury of 12 people. In my criminal case against me, it was a jury of six people. And the jury foreman had written to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, you know, that it was not jury nullification because Allison Cawthon from the criminal case said it was jury nullification. And he wrote a one-page letter to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that says it wasn't. Uh, but 
at least I think it was Atlanta Journal Constitution. It could have been one of those Gwinnett papers. But back to the back to Judge Thrash's court, we had twelve jurors. And the really crazy thing about these twelve jurors is we ended up selecting between my side and the other side when we were doing jury selection. It's called Wadir. Right. We ended up getting eleven women and one man. <laughs> now, another interesting thing, this is just kind of a, an interesting aspect of you know the population. Most of these women were black women. You know, we're in Atlanta. You know, there's a high population of black people in Atlanta. Right. Most of these women on my jury, the 11 women, most of them, I think maybe 10 of them, at least nine of them, nine or 10 of them were black women. And then here's another incredible fact. Uh-huh. Most of these black women had master's degrees. That, that, that's so cool. When you yeah. got two, you got two redneck Alabama federal officer that robbed somebody. Yes. <laughs> and you got 11 black women or very yeah, or whatever whatever the exact ratio. Yeah, is. very intelligent Crazy. as well. They're not Yeah, they're, they're intelligent. Through, uh probably a lot of bullshit. Yeah, exactly. So these guys they couldn't have had a worse jury. I couldn't have had a better jury myself. And we went through about four days of them acting like they didn't do anything wrong. And they, they, of course, they had to take the stand. They had nobody as a witness on their behalf. They had nobody come say, oh, these are good agents. They had no bosses come. They had no fellow agents. They had no other agents. Now, Steve Seitz was there. And in winning... In winning the summary judgment to get to trial, my attorney that I got after Goldberg, I got Nick Dumich. Now, Nick Dumich is deceased, but Nick Dumich was fun to work with. He's a good guy. Ralph Goldberg was, was not too fun to deal with. I don't recommend Ralph Goldberg as an attorney for anything. Now, he's known as a good bankruptcy attorney, but if yeah. you listen to what he did to me, uh, he ruined my case. Um, and so I had to hire Nick Dumich, and Nick Dumich was presented with a motion for summary judgment for dismissal in that federal lawsuit against the federal agents. And he was overwhelmed because Alonzo Long was the U.S. attorney at the time. Now, he re- he res- resigned during the case, and so did Paranormark. Paranormark, in my property lawsuit, resigned as well from the state. So that's kind of funny. I had two opposing attorneys resign during the cases. Uh, so this federal lawsuit, they got the motion to summary judgment trying to dismiss the case and Nick Dumich, my attorney, was like, Oh man, oh this is this is like a million pages of oh, this is so tough. I, oh man, it's we're never gonna get through this. I don't even know where to start on how how to defend this summary judgment motion. And I'm like, Well send me a copy of it. I'll tell you what to do. And so he sent me a copy of it and I read it and it was just muddy muddy in the water, man. It was just it was just nonsense. And I said, Nick you don't even need to respond to this crap. I said, Nick, look at the situation. I had nine stock tanks in my backyard sunk into the ground. I had a plywood fence 24 inches tall that I made around my nine stock tanks. We already had testimony that they had no helicopter surveillance. They didn't have drones in 2004 and 5. Right. It's not, right. not commonly available. Yeah. So Maybe the had, military. 
Yeah, maybe the military. So we had testimony that they did not use a helicopter for surveillance. So so we asked them, and also based on the affidavit, they, they put down that I had nine stock tanks in my backyard. Now, they had never been in my backyard with my permission, but they put down that I had nine stock tanks in my backyard. And Steve Seitz wrote the affidavit for the search warrant, and he says that the federal agents told him that I had nine stock tanks in my backyard. Now there's a 24 foot plywood fence around those nine stock tanks that were in the backyard. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't. We didn't end up asking him if he climbed up on the roof to look over the backyard. But basically, the only way you could see those nine stock tanks behind that plywood fence is to be in the backyard because I had a fenced-in backyard. And they said that all of their observations were from the backyard, and they took pictures. And they took pictures from behind the bushes, behind the fence in the backyard. But in those pictures, you can't tell that there's nine stock tanks buried in the backyard. So the search warrant says that there's nine stock tanks buried in the backyard. Steve Seitz says federal agents told him. But then the federal agent testimony, I was able to get them to admit in the motions to suppress before we had, I think it was, no, we had the, we had the affidavit, I think. Uh, as soon as I was arrested, we had the affidavit. Yeah. So we were able to get them to admit that you can't see nine stock tanks from outside the backyard. So how is it that the affidavit for the search warrant says that there's nine stock tanks inside the backyard being told by the federal agents, unless the federal agents were in the backyard? <clears throat> so Nick Dumich has got this million-page motion to suppress summary judgment motion. And he's like, oh, Steve, man, I don't know what we're going to do, man. Oh, man, this – oh, Alonzo Long has just got so much nonsense in here, and I don't know how we're going to get through this, and I don't know what we're going to do. Oh, Judge Thrash is going to rule against us. He's got too much too much to look at. He's just going to not even look at this stuff. And I said, you don't even have to look at it either, Nick. It's bullshit. It's a bunch of crap that doesn't mean nothing. All you got to do, Nick, is respond that – the testimony here is that you can't see the nine stock tanks, and Steve Seitz wrote in the affidavit that the federal agents told him that there's nine stock tanks in the backyard. Therefore, they must have been in the backyard, just like I say. Right. And Judge Thrash denied the motion to summary judgment, and he allowed us to go to trial. Bingo. So now I'm in trial. So these these stupid federal agents, they, they look so stupid. You know, I'm not trying to speak negatively about them, but they just were – dumb for doing this to me and they were criminal and corrupt they, they probably were arrogant and they thought they could get away with it they did they thought i would the average person uh i would think wouldn't fight as hard as you did even though you know you were backed in the corner and you, you had to do what you had to do in the criminal case but in this case you know look they've seized all of your stuff they they you've, you've paid all this money out for for your help and, and your attorneys and you know it's i mean Extremely yep. frustrating, all this. And how long? How long did this uh, last? Well, this federal this federal trial this federal trial was 2010. They sent me the buy money in September 2004. They raided my house in July 2001 with a search warrant. I'm sorry, 2005 with a search warrant. And uh, now it's 2010. I had my my criminal trial was 2000, February 2008. So it took me three years to get a criminal trial and get acquitted now it's now it's 2010 
and I, I finally am in trial with these federal agents. Mm. And I remember Michael blocks him on the stand and he tried to, he tried to show his pictures. We used their own pictures against them. We used their own pictures to show that they'd been in the backyard moving stuff around because they took pictures of stuff one, one way. And then they took pictures with stuff another way. Cause they'd been moving the lids on these tanks. And yeah, I remember you mentioning that episode too. Yeah. So we were able to show in this picture from this angle, it shows this. And over here, it shows this. And you guys moved the tank. And you guys testified already that you took it the same day. And matter of fact, you only took pictures one day. Matter of fact, you say you're only out there one day. But you're moving the stuff around in these different pictures. So either you lied about not taking pictures in the same day, or you're the ones out here moving this crap. Mm. You know? And you just you just yeah, took pictures of evidence that shows that you're done from there. Yeah. So I won, I won that case big time. Matter of fact, they were, they were so the prosecution, they rolled into there with like 10 carts of documents, 10 carts on wheels. My attorneys and I probably had two briefcases of stuff, you know, and, and it was just, it was me and two attorneys and my wife was a witness and she was, she was there in in trial. Uh, I, I guess she was there after she was testified, but my wife knew that they'd been in, in, in the house. Um, inside the house before the search warrant because she is real meticulous. I'm a little sloppy and don't care. She's real metic- meticulous. And she took right. a piece of a couple papers I had on the table. Did I tell it you? Sounds like already? me and my wife. Did I tell you this already about these papers? Uh, let's briefly review it if, if, if you have. Way, let's, let's, yeah. So in the morning I had these papers crooked on the table and she put them real nice and neat on the table. Either she put them in the corner of the table or she straighten them up or put them in front of where I would have sat down and ate or something. She straightened up those papers. And, and in the middle of the day, she called me or when she got home and she said, did you come home today for lunch? I said, no. I, she's like, you sure you didn't come home today for lunch? I'm, no, I don't think you mentioned this in episode two. I, I'm like, nope, I didn't come home for lunch. She's like, you had to have come home for lunch. Think about it again or something. You, you had to. Somebody's been in their house. I'm like, what are you talking about? Somebody's been in their house. Right. And she said, I had papers on the table that I straightened up before I went to work, and they were on the table crooked when I got back. They were like real crooked. And she's like, somebody's been in her house. And uh, and that's when turtles were being stolen and everything. Now I did have an unsecure back door. I was building a door frame. Um, my door frame from the back door at my basement had, right. you know, the the wood in the frame had decomposed and the frame was just kind of sagging. And I had to rebuild it. Matter of fact, I bought a whole new door and then I built that frame. I built that frame out of pressure treated two by twelves, and and I, I framed it all in myself and and used uh, tapcon screws to screw it into the concrete block and everything did a great job but in the course of doing that it was taking me some time to to get that all done properly i had to chisel out my 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 place where i was going to hang my hinges because i built my own door frame out of the pressure tree wood so oh but that was good yeah it was taking me time so my back door was unsecure i took a few pieces of wood slabs i'm a woodworker so i had some big old wood slabs and I basically leaned them up against the door and kind of secured the door. I put a big piece of plywood there and leaned these wood slabs up against the plywood to keep uh, to keep it secure. So these agents ended up entering my 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 house from my basement unsecured door through the plywood. And uh, 
and my wife ended up knowing it. Now, we did not put that in our lawsuits because that's really hard to prove. And it also right. sounds far-fetched, right? Right. So, and it also, what did it matter? Because they'd already stolen turtles. So I just made the whole lawsuit about them stealing turtles. And then we decided to put her on the stand and we decided to talk about how she knows that they were in our house. Even though I wasn't suing them for coming inside the house, it's still testimony. And it doesn't matter if I didn't raise it before because I'm not suing them for that. It's just testimony. Did they object when you, and when when uh, she's in or was it them questioning her when she brought this up? Well, it was my attorney. It was my attorney questioning her in the evidence. And now let me tell you what the judge did. I was watching the judge when Nick Dumich was te was was uh, uh, interviewing my wife or uh, what's it called on the witness stand, asking her questions, uh, examining. Yeah. When Nick Dumich when Nick Dumich was asking my wife those questions. The judge, Judge Thrash, looks over at Steve, at, uh, at Gary Phillips and Michael Bloxham, and I didn't see Gary Phillips and Michael Bloxham, right. but they must have had a very funny look on their face during this testimony because Judge Thrash was watching them, and Judge Thrash changed the jury verdict to include whether they went inside my house or not. We didn't even ask. We didn't even ask Judge Thrash to do that. So and your wife really came through for you. Though. Holy cow! But the thing was, uh, the 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 U.S. Attorney's Office was arguing. Well, Your Honor, they're not suing. They, they, that's not part of the complaint. You know, Your Honor, they, that's not. And the judge told them, it doesn't matter. There was evidence that the agents had come into the house without a warrant before they got a warrant and he left it on the jury verdict for him. Now the jury did not end up siding with that because, you know, I, I had never made a big, so they, they just, they kind of ignored the jury, ignored that, but they found, they found that the agents violated my civil rights for seizing turtles, uh, before the search warrant, No doubt based on all, all the pictures and everything. And, um, they awarded me $85,000. Now here's the catch. My attorney fees were a couple hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> oh boy! So you know, I had that happens had, a lot of times, though. You know. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I didn't see any money. Plus, my attorneys were worried about that fifty grand anyway. Um, mm -hmm. So I wasn't able to get any of that money. Uh, such is life. I won. I won the case. Um, you know. Such is life. Uh, yeah. So I'm still friends with Steve Wisely. Uh, you know, he, he he calls me now and then. He called me the other day. He's working on a murder case right now in Georgia. A uh, guy that what uh, came down to Louisiana, but but he'd been the last person to see his wife, uh, his girlfriend. He'd been one of the last people that day to see his girlfriend before he went to Louisiana, and mm -hmm. she turned up missing and dead. And uh, he's got that case right now. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah. We, I'd like to get him on the podcast at some point uh, to maybe. Yeah, he'll, he'll probably. If he knows what you'd like to talk to him about, he'll probably probably participate in that. He's a very good attorney. Yeah, that'd be very interesting. Well, man, that is a just insanely crazy story. That sounds like a great movie, in my opinion. Uh, man, I'd love it. I'd love I it if you that, were. That sounds like a movie that I would definitely watch. And yeah. Do too. Yeah. 
Um, I, I've tried to get Steve Wisely. His brother is, is in, I think I mentioned that in the podcast, Jason Wisely. I've tried to get him interested in this as well. And uh, if anybody's interested, I sure will do my part in trying to make it happen. All right. Who plays you in the movie? Uh, I don't know. You know, there's a lot of actors you can get that really aren't even actors. There's a lot of, there's a lot of independent people. Or there's a lot of people that can become actors, you know? Right. Um, I think, I think we ought to, we ought to try to try to get somebody interested. That would be great, man. Everybody I, I, I tell the story to tells me the same thing. Yeah. And I can't wait to get it out there. Our uh, numbers have grown. Um, I haven't even checked them in a while until the other day. And uh, was pleasantly surprised. Um, so yeah, that's great. And I've noticed that your YouTube subscribers have have grown uh, quite a bit. What am I? Uh, since, since the first time I met you. Oh yeah. I, I, last time I checked, I was only at like sixty-seven though. Yeah, but the first the first time I met you, uh, I think they were in the twenties or something. Like yeah, that. probably. So that's um, pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, my my old channel's got 400 subscribers. I need to figure out a way to post a video to my old channel to let them know about my new channel. My yeah, old channel's yeah. Delticola, D-E-L-T-I-C-O-L-A, but I don't do anything with it because I can't seem to get the good connection to download anything to it. Right. Based on based on passwords or computer recognition, you know they don't recognize my new computers. So. Um, Anyway, so the Thorny Turtle Ranch, man, I'm uh, I'm building the Thorny Turtle Ranch, and it's conservation of the alligator snapping turtle. And uh, I've got some turtles that are breeding. I've got my, my good buddy Ben down the road. We're breeding his turtles. He had 175 eggs this last year, so we're we're going to be restoring populations of alligator snapping turtles in Louisiana with Louisiana-based DNA turtles and uh or genetically based you know from the mississippi valley and i just rekindled not re i guess i guess i rekindled my gainesville florida connection the other day with some people i had never met uh, i have turtles in the wild in in the gainesville florida area that have been tagged and you know alligator snap turtles live a long time they live way longer than you and i put together and wow, i insane. yeah i learned how to tag them with some stainless steel screws and there was a, a, a instructor or professor or whatever that, that of biology uh, that started working at the, the big community college they have down there called Santa Fe Community College in Gainesville, Florida. And uh, I made contact with him just yesterday here. It's February, and I, I met somebody. I met somebody in Georgia that's a big turtle guy that's on YouTube named Greg Brashear. And Greg Brashear has. Greg's Turtle Haven as one of his YouTube videos. I think he has some others as well, or maybe his friends have him, but he's in some different videos. He's got about 900 subscribers, and I made contact with him, and he and I have been talking, and then I found out about some of his connections, and I made contact with this Santa Fe instructor, and his name is Dr. Jerry Johnston, and I talked to him for about an hour or so yesterday, and he's been catching my turtles down there, hmm. and and he, he thought the stainless steel screw tagging method was just brilliant he's like wow did you come up with that and i'm like i sure did and i told him the story of how i came up with it on how to tag him with stainless steel screws he says it works great he's like did you did you did you do that because you knew the holes when you tried to mark them with the other ways did you know the holes grew in and i'm like yeah i found out the holes grew in 
And he's like, man, those stainless steel screws are working great. So we're going to get back together with Paul Moeller from the retired from the Florida Game of Fish Commission. If Paul's interested, I mentioned it one time earlier in the year last year, and he was interested. And we're going to get down and we're going to find all my old hundred old turtles that I haven't seen for 20 years and find out how much they've grown and where they've moved off to, how far up and down the river, because I mapped out that river, every tree and every bend in that river. I had, mm-hmm. I had a beautiful study going. And uh, we're going to go back down there and kick that study back off and uh, see if we can't publish it. Now, the bad thing is I'm not sure what these corrupt wildlife agents took from me and never returned. I put everything in five boxes. And I was sick over all this stuff because they'd killed 365 turtles. I got back whatever they gave me back. And uh, they stole different turtle shells from me, and they stole uh, black and white pictures from me of big, giant turtles, like 150-pound turtles from the like the 1930s and 40s and 50s. They stole those pictures from me. And I, I just was like, I just threw everything in. I, I, matter of fact, I kept them in the boxes. They returned them, and I just sealed up the boxes. They, they gave me banker's boxes full of my stuff. And I just—I never even looked in them ever since I got them back uh, after my criminal trial. Uh, whatever year they gave them back to me, either whether it was fall of 2008 or, or 2009, whenever they gave it back to me, I never even opened them up. I opened them one time and looked and saw the stuff missing, and then I never I never opened them again. So I'm going to open them again. I'm going to make a YouTube video well, of, me, of me going through that stuff, seeing what they stole. I need to get my data. I have my data from my studies, and I know that it's not all there. It was disheveled. You know, they, they, I, I'm just, I was heartbroken over it. But, uh, you know, overall, though, this story ends uh, very good. Um, you end up successfully sending them, and you also uh, uh, won your criminal tri- trial. Um, yeah. Even with so much against you, I just, uh, I don't know how you, uh, it, that would have been hard for me to fight through. Yeah, well, I wasn't going to give up. I couldn't give up. I rarely, I rarely ever do give up, you know. Yeah. And I, I try to stay out of trouble, but if trouble finds me, I, I, I'm, I'm going to fight it. So, um, I had to. It's just matter of principle. And you know, I, I think I did a good thing for the people that came behind me because Greg's got his, Greg's got a permit. They gave Greg a permit. He's got alligator snapper turtles. He goes out and he finds a, a blind alligator snapper turtle or a shot alligator snapper turtle. And he's he's got alligator snapper turtles in the state of Georgia inspects them and they give him a permit. They wouldn't give me a permit back then. So maybe me fighting them, yeah. showing them. And, and that, that, that circles back around to episode one uh, where you where we've talked about uh, some things are meant to be. Um, yeah, everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. Yes, exactly. So, uh, you know. so cool, cool to circle back around to that from episode one. Uh, this is a great way to end the uh, podcast. Now, uh, the next podcast, I think we'll we'll still tell stories, but we'll talk about current events um, and have some guests on, if that's cool with you. Oh, that'd be great, man. I'm I'm all game for this. It's uh, exciting. You know, I never wanted to be famous or infamous, but <laughs> but but I, there's a lot of people that know about me and know about the turtle case. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm interested in whatever you'd like to do with it. Uh, been, right. It's been good talking with you so far, and I'll keep uh, enjoying it. I'm sure. Great. All right, man. Uh, that'll be that'll about do it for us on the Thorny Turtle Ranch. Uh, we will get back with you whenever me and you uh, have a, a free schedule. Uh, I would like to start doing it on Sundays. 
uh, if you're available on Sundays, uh, sure. I'm usually available. So. So I guess this officially ends the Turtle Gate. Uh, Yes, Turtle it does. chapter of the Thorny Turtle Ranch. What do we have to look forward to before we end this episode? What do we have to look forward to as far as other stories? Now, I know there's uh, a few sexy Cindy stories out there. Well, there's at least one. Um, there's a sexy Cindy story. There's a mad Russian story. Um, you know, my whole life has been driven related to these turtles. So it's kind of like everything I've done in life is somehow focused around these turtles. But the sexy Cindy story won't mention turtles, and neither will the mad Russian, but it's all because of turtles that they came about. And then I guess there's a story, I don't know if you heard it, uh, there's a Mississippi story where my friend and I were nearly killed by some mean rednecks. That's a whole interesting story. So we'll just tell you some stories, man. If people enjoy if people enjoy what I got to say, I don't mind I don't mind telling them. Awesome. All right. Well, that will do it for us on the podcast. Please check out the Thorny Turtle Ranch YouTube page, and please share and like our podcast, review it, get it out there, talk about it with friends. Do whatever you can to get this podcast out there and uh, to get Steve's story out there. And we thank you for listening. That's right. Come see me at the Thorny Turtle Ranch in Louisiana. Thanks for listening. See you, Steve. See you. Take care. All right, guys, that's going to conclude episode five of the Thorny Turtle Ranch podcast, Muddy in the Waters. It was a fantastic story told by Steve, and we want to thank Steve for telling it to us. And if you want to check out Steve, please check out his YouTube page at Thorny Turtle Ranch. And don't forget to share with friends and family and get our names out there. And also, Leave us some feedback. We want to hear what you liked and what you didn't like. Take care out there, guys.